Hello and welcome to today's episode of the 7 Figure Millennials Podcast, where it is my job to help you to prioritize your happiness, health, and relationships while making your biggest entrepreneurial dreams a reality. And I hope you are having a fantastic day. And if you didn't know, one of the inspirations for this podcast was the quote by Jim Rohn, become a millionaire, not for the million dollars, but for what it will make of you to achieve it. So if you're listening to this right now, you are absolutely in the right place if you are a heart-centered, impact-driven entrepreneur who is serious about growing growth and for being on this journey of constant improvement. And today you and I get to hang out with John Vroman. John Vroman helps others to be moment makers. He is married to his free-spirited wife, Tatiana. He's the father of two energetic boys, Tiger and Ocean, and they live in Austin, Texas. John is the founder of the Front Row Foundation, a charity established in 2005 that creates unforgettable moments for individuals who are braving life-threatening illnesses. They provide a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to live Live in the front row by granting them front row moments to live events of their recipients' dreams. He's also the founder of FrontRowDads.com, an international community of family men with businesses, not businessmen with families. And fun fact, I actually included that line in my vows when I got married because I thought it was so, so powerful after interviewing and talking with John. Uh, Continuing on, he is the host of the top-rated Front Row Dads podcast, where John shares interviews that extract and understand the rituals, routines, and habits that help every man be a better fathers and husbands. And he is also the author of the number one best-selling book, The Front Row Factor, where John helps readers learn about living life from those fighting for it. In this episode, you're going to learn so much, as always, but I want you to look out for three specific things. Number one, what John carving a heart out of a block of soap for his first grade crush actually had to do with him creating his charity. Number two, how John positively reinforces the strengths his kids have by printing a picture that represents him catching them doing something good and then writing a note on the back for them. And number three, John shares compelling stories and lessons about life from those who are fighting for it. And I want you to specifically look out for the one that he tells about how he got front row seats at a Kelly Clarkson concert. Say that 10 times fast. Kelly Clarkson concert, Kelly Clarkson concert. (laughs) For a four-year-old named Sophie who is fighting a brain tumor. And the last thing I want to do before we dive into today's show is give a pre-show listener shout out to Scott, who left a review saying, excellent guests with motivational and helpful stories. I feel like I am hanging out with friends and listening to a good discussion after a big day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And keep the good work coming. So Scott, you rock. You absolutely made my day. Thank you so much for leaving those kind words. And if you're a returning listener and you haven't had a chance to leave a review yet, no worries. <laughs> you can head to sevenfigurmillennials.com slash review. And that's going to tell you exactly how to leave a review on that page. And if you choose to leave an honest review, I have a little thank you gift that I want to give you. That's going to reveal how I get incredible guests like John on the show and how you can get the high level connections you need to grow your business. So all the details for how to leave that review and how to get that little thank you gift. If you choose to do that is to, you need to go to seven figuremillennials.com slash review. So with all that said, I want you to please enjoy this incredible conversation with my friend, John Vroman. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Figure Millennials Podcast. Mr. John Broman, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here. Buddy, thanks for having me. 
Yeah, of course. So I wanted to start by thanking you with a with sincere thank you from my heart uh, for everybody that's listening. So a little bit of the backstory, I want to tell a really quick story is that I heard John the first time on Jonathan Levy's Superhuman Academy podcast when I was working with Jonathan. And I looked at the date, the episode that came out was February 6, 2018. And my birthday is February 21st. And so I had, I loved John's episode so much that I shared it with my girlfriend at the time, now wife. And she listened to the episode. And so she orchestrated a surprise birthday dinner for me. And one of the things that John teaches, and we'll dive about the, the front row factor, but one of the things that John teaches, I'm sure we'll dive into this, is that um, you, you encourage people that if you're having dinner, that you can do this cool exercise where you ask someone, everybody around the table to share what they admire about one person. And so Leah picked that up from your episode and did that. And it was just an incredibly special moment for me. I was tearing up and all that kind of stuff. So I, I have you and Leah to thank for that. And so I just wanted to start by thanking you, John, because I love the work that you do. And I'm excited to share you with the audience today. <laughs> and that, that warms my heart. You know, I just left, uh, you know, a meeting this morning with a really extraordinary guy named Ron Lynch, who lives here in Austin with me. And one of the things that's so cool um, to, to witness in receiving, you know, love and to witness when others do it is that, and, and Ron was so good, is to shine the light. Like he was so good at shining the light. He was so good at asking the questions and digging into my story. And he was so inquisitive. And I felt like after 30 minutes, like he really knew me, you know? And when people can affirm, you know, when people express words of affirmation, when they talk about what they see in you, Brandon, you know, and, and, and when they do this for others, it's one of the greatest gifts, whether that's in writing or spoken or whatever it might be, but Thank you for sharing that, man. And I'm so glad that you were able to receive that. Yeah, of course. So to kick things off, people are like, okay, this sounds interesting. Now we need to dive in a little bit. So I watched like five of the experiences that you've done for people on your YouTube channel. And I read all the ones that were inside of your book and I got chills and almost cried from a few of them. There, maybe, maybe there was a tear or two, but you are an incredible storyteller. So what I'd love to do to start is for you to share a very specific story, and then we can kind of peel back the onion and how you got to doing this incredible work. So I would love for you to sh- start by sharing and telling the story of Sophie Dar's front row experience, and feel free to share the details and really paint us the picture because this is just such a powerful story. Thanks, man. Well, it's always an honor to talk about Sophie's life. And I know you've done your homework when you know that name, <laughs> which is great. So yeah, so backing up a little bit, you know, the Front Row Foundation um, creates these, these once-in-a-lifetime type experiences for people um, and of all ages. Well, we were new at the time. Our charity was new. It was just some friends who got together who wanted to do something nice for other people. I mean, that's really the spirit of how this whole thing started, right? We had been to a lot of concerts. And and at some point, you're like, how many concerts can I go to? You know, (laughs) how about helping other people get to their favorite concert? So one of my friends, John Edwin, he came to me and he said, hey, buddy, um, love what you're doing with the new charity. He said, my friend Lauren, her daughter, Sophie, is battling um, a brain tumor right now. And she's four years old. And this may come as a shock, but she's actually like a really big Kelly Clarkson fan (laughs) at, at age four. And now I know that when, you know, kids are four or five, you know, around that age, they can fall in love, you know, with people and and idols, you know, to speak specifically here. Well, Sophie would listen to the music all the time in the car and it would like light her up. And even through all of her treatments, all of her, you know, the, the time in the hospital, like Kelly Clarkson was the voice that really like spoke to her. 
and they would do dance parties in the bedroom together with her and her mom. And I, I just learned about this little girl's life. And it was an easy yes. I mean, yeah, we want to do an experience for Sophie, right? We want to send her to go see Kelly Clarkson. And one of the beautiful things about this whole experience for me has been seeing people unite together to do good for others. So we, you know, we reached out to our network and said, guys, here's the, you know, here's this little girl we want to help. And immediately people started stepping up, collaborating, right? Community. John Rulin, my buddy who wrote a book called Giftology, um, uh, he knew a gentleman that had access to Kelly Clarkson and he made a, he made a call. And next thing you know, it's like, dude, you know, Sophie and her family, they're going to go see Kelly Clarkson in, in Atlantic city is where the show was. So we're thrilled, right? We're putting together this event. We're thinking how to make it special. And, you know, we, we, we go all out. We send the limousine, we send them to dinner. Um, you know, my very good friend, John Berghoff, uh, who's a name that I speak about often, an extraordinary human, and his wife, Mara, were the hosts of the event. So they designed it, they created it, they took Sophie and her family on this experience to make sure that everything was just done for them and that they could just relax and enjoy the night. And, and the story goes that Sophie, you know, was, uh, she, she had an amazing time during the concert. And even at one point during the concert, Kelly, who knew Sophie was going to be there, kind of pointed at her from stage and you know, really made Sophie feel super special. And that would have been enough, I think. You know, as, as Lauren tells the story, Sophie's mom, that would have been enough, right? Just being there. But what Sophie didn't know was that we had a little something extra in store for her, which is that we were going to get her backstage to meet Kelly. And so while Sophie had fallen asleep in her mother, mother's arms, it was a little later, uh, past her bedtime, we, you know, they took her backstage and they were waiting in this room. And then, and then Kelly walks in and she just said, hey, y'all. And little Sophie just wakes up from, this, from her sleep and just knows that voice and turns around and locks eyes. And we have a picture of that moment when Sophie and Kelly are connected and then Kelly came over and just started spending time with Sophie and picked her up and held her in her arms and they talked and spent a good bit of time. Um, so, you know, really I hat tip to Kelly Clarkson for just having a really big heart in that moment and really being with this little girl, Sophie. And uh, it was a magical moment, no doubt. Like, you know, her mom, Lauren, still talks about it to this day, you know, this experience with Sophie. And one thing I'll say, Brandon, is that that, that memory lives on in my heart and in many other hearts, uh, people that supported, that donated, that made it come to life. Um, and Sophie's been a great teacher for us all. The sad part of the story is that just eight weeks after that event took place, Sophie passed away. And it was crushing to all of us. In fact, I remember at the time, I, I had never met Sophie in person. Other people were helping do the event. This was very much a team effort. John and Mara took her on her experience. Um, but when I got the news that Sophie had passed, I was, I was moved in a way that I hadn't been moved before. I felt like I knew Sophie. I felt, like, I felt connected to her. And I remember crying. And I remember thinking, I haven't cried in a long time haven't really felt these emotions in a long time. And I was very moved by, by Sophie and her life and the way that she and her mom chose to live. And, and I, you know, but I always questioned like the power of our work. I said, does our work really matter? Like, is this charity really matter? Cause when you compare it to like 
you know, sometimes the, like uh, giving people clean water, right? You're, you're like, is their work more important than our sure. work? It's easy to start <laughs> judging good deeds, right? Like judging good deeds. And then you realize that there needs to be a lot of good deeds in the world. You know, we need to do a lot of nice things for people. And the way that I really knew that we made an impact um, on Lauren and her daughter and the rest of their family was that John and Mara Berghoff went to Sophie's funeral to pay their respects. And they called me afterwards and said, John, um, we were taken back when we walked up to Sophie's casket and we looked at this little girl laying in the casket in this white dress, but around her neck, her mom put the Kelly Clarkson VIP backstage pass badge with her. And, uh, and that really, that really hit me, Brandon, of the power of the work that we do and the memories that we create and what they do, not only for the recipient, but for their families. And so that's what we do. And we create these memories and these moments and, and, uh, and we help people come together and share experiences. Man, it's just like I, I read that version of the story in the book. I saw it in your TED talk and like every, and, and now I just re-listen to it. You talk at it and every single time I get these chills. So I guarantee everybody listening, you know, really feels that. And that's so powerful that you create these moments for people and I love it. And so thank you for, for doing that. And so I, I want to kind of the rewind back. And so people are like, okay, you're doing these incredible experiences for people. And one of the things that I loved that you talked about in your book is how you kind of like peeled the onion to see where this moment maker kind of was created in you. And this was something that was very central to who you were as a kid. So I would love for you to kind of tell a little mini story. And then I have a follow-up question after that, but tell a little bit about um, uh, some, a story that has to do with a soap heart <laughs> and, and crafting, oh, some, yeah, and crafting yeah. some breakfast menus for your parents. <laughs> Those two so separate funny, ones. Man. Dude, I love how prepared you are, Brandon. It's really a testament to you and and uh, you really honor your guests. So thank you for that. That's, uh, that's rare in this space to do that type of work. Um, yeah. So the, you know, what's, what's so cool, Brandon, and I think a lot of people could relate to this is I think we're all on a journey to find out why we're here. You know, like what is really our purpose? What is your unique talent that, you know, your, your gifts that you've been given in your life and how can you properly deploy them in the world to make the biggest impact. I mean, that's been my quest is to figure out what that is. And I think sometimes when we're kids, we nail it and then we lose it because we get into the programming. We get into the, to the egos that we're building so that we can fit in, so that we can be approved of by others or find security right, um, in, in life. And so we start telling people that we're things that we're really not right? And I want to be good at everything. So I want to be good at this and I want to be good at this, but, but to really honor our true essence of who we are and our nature, not just what we've been created by with our environment. When I go back to when I was a kid, you brought up the soap and the menu. So yeah, the soap story was that um, when I was probably, how old? Well, I was elementary school. I think this was first grade. And my my crush, my first grade crush was a girl named Gina. And I really liked Gina and I thought she was super cool. And I still have a picture of Gina and I like Chuck E. Cheese together. Nice. Like classic with, first you know, date. <laughs> classic first date, right? But I Fun fact, that's actually really... that's actually the first place I ever took my wife. Side side story. Our, right? first, our first date was actually Chuck E. Cheese. That's awesome, but, that, but anyways, didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> oh, it's great, man. I love that. That's super cool. Well, I, I was a Boy Scout at the time and 
I was trying to think about what I could do to like show Gina that I really appreciated her. And I carved her a heart out of a bar of soap. And that was it. That was the gift. Right. And I remember, I remember giving it to her. I remember Gina very well. It's interesting because that's, I feels very young for me now as a dad, like that's very young, but, um, but it were, it were real, just pure feelings of like appreciation and love for this other soul, this other person. Well, I moved away from, this was Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. I moved away and my dad was in the Navy. We lived in a bunch of other places, but I moved back to Camp Hill, Pennsylvania in my senior year of high school. And Gina was a senior at the same school in the same area, but I just hadn't seen her in 12 years, right? Type of deal. Well, I run into her and she's like, you're not going to believe this, but I still have this heart, <laughs> this, this <laughs> heart carved out of this soap. And, you know, I really started to understand that was just one of the things in life that showed up like, man, you can really make an impact with people when you're thoughtful about how you show up for them and what you do for them and the gifts that you provide. So that was what was one thing. And I really started to identify that I really am a moment maker. That's become my identity. Like I love making moments for people. Like this morning, I told you I was at Ron's house for, you know, for a little hang time. And I texted him on the way to his house and said, what's your wife's favorite color? And he said, red, every shade of red, just, you know, loves red. I stopped by the store and I bought some red flowers and I brought them along with me. And I think it's, it's sometimes just saying, I've, th- I've thought about you, right? I, I know who you are. I see you. I witness you. That's what this whole thing is about, is about witnessing people, seeing people for who they really are, right? That's what this is all about. And uh, the other story that you asked about, and I'll keep this one a little shorter, is that I just, as a kid, I wanted to, like, I wanted to make people feel great. So my parents would go to bed. Um, I would wake up first. And I remember I often would do things around the house to like, to impress them, if you will, maybe it was also to get the, wow, you're such a good boy. I definitely craved making a difference at a very early age. So I would like make menus about what they could eat and I would clean up the house. I know that was, it was definitely unique. I don't think many of my friends shared the same passion that I did. But at a core, at a young age, man, I wanted people to feel impacted by what I did. And by the way, that's helped me and that's hurt me because in an unhealthy way, you become a people pleaser, right? In an unhealthy way, you're doing things that aren't in alignment with your values so that people you think will like you. And in a healthy way, it really is the beauty of others that you see. And then you, you share the best of you with them without compromising your values. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And part of the reason why I wanted to ask is because I think it's so important for us as entrepreneurs and for you listening to this right now, if like, if you haven't explored your childhood and like exactly what John was just sharing, like those things that you naturally did, the things that you were naturally inclined to the behaviors that you exhibited, like lots of the times I find that the most successful entrepreneurs are in alignment with who they always were, right? And so that they've they've discovered and done some work to uncover what makes them tick and how they can be in alignment with that. So the kind of the follow-up question I wanted to ask to that is like, many times you can kind of reverse and say, oh yeah, I was a moment maker and you make it sound like it was easy. Like you've identified you're a moment banker, but for somebody that maybe hasn't explored their childhood yet, or maybe hasn't discovered those things that are innately them, like how did you go about unpacking and actually realizing that this was... Uh, a, a through line in everything that you should be doing. Yeah, that's been the journey, man. 
And there's, there's not one place where that's happened. It's been many, many little discoveries along the way, many coaches, many events, many, many books that I've read, you know, and it all starts to, you do start to put all the dots together and you can see how the drawing is made, you know? So it, it, part of it is patience. Part of it is just settling into the journey of like, this will be a constant unveiling of who you are. And I'm sure that I'm still in the midst of it too, right? Like I'm still figuring it out. It's, it's about, it's not always about learning something, which we get obsessed with. Like, what's the hack? What's the thing I can learn? What's outside of me that I can bring inside of me and then be better? Like tools that you grab and bring in. A lot of what makes us great too is what we, what we forget, what we unlearn, what we ignore, what we say no to. A lot of it is a chipping away. Like, like you've probably heard, you know, many people describe the statue. It's like the statue is made by what you chip away. And then what is revealed inside, right, is, 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 is kind of what we end up doing a lot in our lives is um, challenging the beliefs and the programs that we once said, hey, that I needed to have that armor or whatever to make it through high school. But that armor that I now hold on to that I think is my identity, I can let go of in my 20s because I don't need that anymore. Might it, you might have had to have that type of armor to protect yourself from an abuser in your life. You know, somebody, people abusing you in some sort of way, but now you're in, you, you know, you are in an unsafe environment, but now you're in a safe environment. And where all this discovery comes from, Brandon, I think is, is a combo of things. And I'll, I'll, th- I'll share a couple. One, having incredible people around you that will challenge you, that will see in you what you can't see in yourself or haven't seen in yourself yet. So the right community is no doubt key. There were so many friends who brought things to my attention, sometimes painfully so, right? Like tell me things I don't want to hear that I needed to hear, right? Those are, those are true. They've, they've been true my entire life. I'm 45 years old now. They still happen in the last 12 months of my life people telling me things that I was unaware of that helped me to realize more of who I was. I think that's a piece of it. I think, I think time to be silent, time to be uh, without any stimulus, without a book, without anything, you know, to tell you so that you can hear. We are oftentimes, it's so noisy in our world that we can't hear the whispers from within. Mm-hmm. Can't hear the message that's trying to speak to us from our heart because we're just so busy stimulating ourselves with what other people think that we don't hear what we think. So that's a piece of it. It's coaches. It's, it's, so when you start to piece all that together, man, there, is, uh, there has to be time though. And what it is, is there has to be time to gain a new perspective. And so a lot of it is being able to break or interrupt the patterns that we get into, the rhythms and rituals and the habits that served us once likely no longer serve us, or at least not all of them. So that's, that's the journey, man. But if I had to pick one, surround yourself with amazing people. And that's wisdom that everybody will give. It's easy to know. It's not easy to do. Just to compliment that and add on to it a little bit. I love that you outlined that this wasn't like a straight line that like you can't attribute it to one particular thing that, that, that you didn't wake up one day and just realize all these things. So yes, it takes time, but that's the exciting part. And I also love, there's this quote I say all the time, and it was articulated a slightly different way from another podcast guest I had on, but 
the the quote that I've quoted all the time is you can't read the label from inside the jar. I, I think I heard that from Joe Polish. And it's like everybody's singing inside of their jar. But the other way I heard it articulated was I had Waldo Waldman on my show, who's a decorated air fighter pilot. He's flown 65 combat missions. And he talks about checking your six because when you are an air fighter right. pilot, you can't see your your uh, b- behind you. So you have to have your other wingmen check your six. Otherwise, you're going to get shot done. So like, who are the wingmen yeah. and wing women? Wing, I, I think right. she thinks she's a wing women, <laughs> wing ma'am. That's what he calls them, wing ma'ams. <laughs> that that, that, that <laughs> cool. help help support you. So I, I love that. So on a, on a similar note, um, it, this is another reason why I was so excited to have you on the show is because we haven't dove into this topic of uh, family as much yet, and you're like this perfect guy for this. And so on a very similar topic, there's this exercise that you do for your kids, Tiger and Ocean, where you take pictures of them. Um, and, and then you write a little note in the back. So I would, I would love, I loved, loved hearing this. So I would love, because I think it's directly related to uncovering your genius. And I think you're making it a little bit easier and supporting them on that yeah. process. So I would love for you to share that. That's cool, man. No, it's my favorite thing to talk about right now. So, and it just so happens I have the picture that I printed for this week. So I, if somebody's not watching this, I'm holding up a picture of my son and I holding a $10 bill and, uh, he just bought his first stock <laughs> through my account, but he bought $10 of Roblox stock. And you know th- this picture program um, and what I just held up is, is this idea of, hey, how might I capture the strengths in my kids, bring it to light every single week or every single month? And you know, I found as a dad that it's very easy to catch people doing the wrong thing in my house. <laughs> my wife or my kids, like, hey, don't say that to your brother, right? Hey, pick up your room. Like, it's always like what you're doing wrong, where you're failing short, because you're trying to help this little human to, to acclimate to society. And you're bringing your blueprint of the world saying, hey, here's what's worked for me. I think it might work for you. Here's what manners looks like, right? And everybody has their own blueprint they bring to their families. But I noticed personally that as much as I understand strengths and the need to call them out and the need to focus and the, and the ratio of positive to negative comments and what it does to, to business teams and, and, and any organization and any family for that matter, I still was having a hard time doing it. I needed a new habit. I needed a new practice. So I committed to once a week-ish and I say that because there needs to be some flexibility here because it's not a perfect system. But once a weekish, I print a picture of my kids where I caught them doing something great during the week. And then I write a note on the back. And the note is usually something like this. And I'm going to make this up on the spot because I haven't written this note yet for, for Tiger. But here's what I might write. I might write, Tiger, um, it's, it's a true joy for me to watch you learn about investing. Right? Seeing you make healthy choices in your life, right, really lights me up inside. I think you've got a good head on your shoulders. And I think you can make good decisions on your own. I'm just happy that I get to do some of them with you. Love forever, your papa. Something like that. And usually what it is, usually what it is, it's it's something that speaks to the process and the characteristic, not the result. Right. So, not like an achievement or an accomplishment, but a process and a characteristic or a strength that I see emerging in them. Decisiveness. Like, I want to call that out and say, hey, man, I really honor you for being decisive, making a choice. Right. Too often in life, it's easy to just get paralyzed with so many choices 
but you checked in on your values. You thought about what you cared about and right. And you voted with your dollars. So props to you for that, but somehow, some way calling them out. And I think that here's the thing. If, if somebody out there listening, Brandon is not a parent, this lesson is still the same to everybody because you can do this with your wife, your girlfriend, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your neighbor. It doesn't matter. It's just catching people doing the right thing. And then, and then affirming, right? It's, it's bringing to light that which you see in others. And when we can do this in writing, there's something very special about it because there's something that lives on forever with that, that I think is also really cool. I put all these pictures in a photo album and my intention is, and I've been doing it for now one year is to give it to them once a year, right? There's um, a, as a gift. There's another nugget of gold that you dropped there. And it was talking about essentially the way I interpret it in my brain is focusing on process, not outcome things. And I think that's, that's important. That's another takeaway for anyone listening to this too, is like, what are you tracking for yourself? Is it things where you're, you're focused on an outcome or are you focused on the process of, of what you are investing in or the activities that you are investing in that will get you the outcome? And I find that so many entrepreneurs are dissatisfied when they focus on outcome, but when you can be, you can find so much more happiness when you focus on process oriented goals and stuff like that. So I, I loved, loved highlighting this. I think that's incredible. I am I'm 25. I'm not going to have kids for another few years, but I, I absolutely looking up to you as a role model as somebody that's doing this stuff right. So I absolutely love that. And I know we have lots of dads and moms in the audience as well that are listening to this. So um, another thing I wanted to ask is as a guy that has a community of dads for the front row dads, um, you just got back from this retreat. You also not only have the experience that you have as a father, but you have the collective wisdom and best practices of this entire community of entrepreneurial or, or not, I guess, entrepreneurial dad. So any, any other huge things that you've learned from your community that has kind of impacted the way that you work with your kids on a daily basis? Mm, so much, man. So much. Uh, what would I want to share with you? Because yeah, I'm just, I'm sifting through mentally right now, all the takeaways. The Row guys 12, like, file four in John Broman's they, yeah, <laughs> dad's <they> brain. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. They, and, and they post in the group about this. They're like, here's the, here's the wisdom I took away. Here are the actions that I'm going to take as a result of this. Right. Uh, and I'll give you one here. Here's one. So my buddy, Jeff Woods was at the event. Jeff is, uh, the founding partner of uh, the company, the the training company that based on the book, The One Thing with Gary Keller Keller. and Jay Papazan. Okay. So Jeff is a a good friend of mine, former neighbor, sadly moved to Denver recently, but Jeff does his expertise is in time, right? He's in the business of time and he wants to help people in his words, right? To not spend their time, but to invest it. And to really understand how to have a relationship with the goals in their lives so they know how to spend their time or invest their time rather, right? And he does a brilliant workshop around this, which he did with the guys. But one of the pieces of the workshop, Brandon, is that, and and this relates to being a great dad and a great businessman, and I think a great partner, a great human, is to understand your values, right? To understand your values. What do you care about in this world? And when we understand our values, we use them as ways to filter and say, should I do this? Should I go left or right? Well, I don't know. What do your values say? Do they align with your values? And also when we understand our spouse's values, then we start to see, oh, that's why she wants to go left and I want to go right. Is This is just a values thing, right? Great human. We just have different values. 
And it sounds easy to understand that intellectually and go, yeah, 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 I get it. <laughs> it's a very different thing to deeply understand the value and then use it in your life and to really be conscious of it, not just as a practical exercise to do on time and then file it away. So if somebody asks you what your values are and you can't immediately respond what your top three values are, then that just is a sign that you have more work to do in this area. The other piece is most people can't tell what their spouses or partners' values are. <laughs> if you say, what are their values? They're like, uh, I think they value. Well, right? That tells us that there's room to grow there in connection with this person. Um, same with their dreams. Like, it's amazing. A lot of business people might know the dreams they have for their business, but they don't know their spouse's dreams. They don't know their kids' dreams. They don't ask that question to keep, you know, often enough. Like, what dreams are you chasing? Dreams are so powerful. But I can tell you that what, one of the things that our men are committed to is really understanding themselves and their families at a core level of like what drives them. And so the guys went through this core values exercise, which was really great. And to really, and there was a lot of ahas in the room. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of discovery and there's a lot of pieces and layers to values too. Like do, do values change? Do they shift over time? Right. And, and, and our answer collectively as a group was, yeah, they do. Because what I valued in my twenties and what I value in my forties are, are, are arguably two different things right now. I think that's part of the evolution of man, right? It's like, that just is how it goes. And to be checking in every six to 12 months on like, where are your values currently and talking about them. And that's big. We wrote our core values for front road ads this year, and I've got them hanging on my wall right here. They're, they're incredible. They're incredibly moving. In fact, when we have people that want to join the brotherhood, we say, just read the core values. And when you do, it's one page document, you'll know. Because if any part of you is like, nah, then you're not right for our group. And if you read that and go, hell yeah, then you're probably a good fit for our community. Like this is a filtering decision for hires. This is a filtering decision for members. This is a filtering decision for all of what we do on a daily basis. And it's super fun. And I got to give a shout out to my buddy, Darius Mirshazadeh, who wrote the book, The Core Value Equation, who mm -hmm. spent hours with me talking about Front Row Dad's core values and helping me understand how to write it in a way that moves people. Because a lot of people come up with their values and it doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean shit to them. Like they come up with their values and it's like something that just hangs on their wall. Like yeah. they checked off the box that they did their values, but they don't really, it doesn't move them. It doesn't, it doesn't direct them. It doesn't move other people. And partially because of the way that they're written. They need to be written in a way, Brandon, where it's like, what does it look like to show up that way? Because we all see, like, you have the value of integrity. Well, you, the way you define integrity, the way I define integrity is very different. So when we define it clearly, which is hard to do, right? Hard to do. Uh, hard to narrow it down because you're like, I value a thousand things. Well, then, you know, yeah. if, if you value everything, then you kind of value nothing, right? Like, we got to know what's at the core. There's a yeah. lot of work to be done there. I'm going to take a, a, a ping pong. I'm going to mention a bunch of names, but it's going to make sense. So you mentioned John Rulin earlier. John is actually going to come on the show later. I just got an introduction to him last week. So, cool. so that's, that's funny. And I was going to ask you about you and John and Hal and what the hell Cutco does and put this in our water to make you guys all <laughs> incredible people. But that, that's a separate thing. So the, this is where my brain went. Uh, I, went to, yeah. I, thought of, I thought of John and then John has this incredible testimonial from Cameron Harold. 
Cameron yep. Harold wrote this book called Vivid Vision, which reminded me of yep. what you're talking about, the cult of that's affirmation. Right, so that's where my brain went in the last two seconds. But I wanted, to, I think people would be mad at me if they're like, okay, Brandon, you have to make sure John reads these values. So if they're in front of your wall, I would love for you to oh, read yeah. them because I think, and I just want to preframe too, everybody that you, that as, as John walks and grabs his stuff, as you, as, as you listen to this, think about how you can create something that is moving, that, that inspires people inside of your organization. Or if you don't want to, if you don't have a business yet, you're still, you haven't, you haven't created that yet. How can you do this for your family and how can you set it up in a way? So yeah, would love, love, love to hear that, John. That's right. Yeah. All, all good people, by the way, that you just mentioned. <laughs> uh, yeah. Johnny's uh, when you, when you chat with him, tell him I said, hello. I will this, do that. Uh, Actually, I'll, I'll give him a, a little shout out here too before I read these values. This mug that I'm holding up, have you seen him do these mugs? I've heard about, I've heard the legend of them. So I'll make sure to the talk legendary about Legendary mugs. So these things, man, you, you get to know the person and their story. And this one says lifting others up. For somebody who can't see it, it's a handmade mug and it's got the story of your life etched into the side of it, right? So somebody that knows you well, will we'll tell the artist about you and your life. They'll tell, they'll tell the artist about you and your life. And then they'll, they'll design this story around the mug. And then they record a video presenting like, this is the story of your life. This is what you care about. Love that. And, uh, yeah. So it's really, really cool. Cool. It's, I will, um, I will, I need to follow up with John anyways today. So I will tell him that we talked about him today. Yeah. Another recording. <laughs> I was a groomsman in his wedding. So we're, uh, love we're that. Love tight. that. I have some clout now. <laughs> All right. You do, man. You do. All right. So here we go. Core values. Um, the first one and, and Darius believes in giving them a fun name so that it's, so the value everybody would know it as is authentic curiosity we call this one five whys. Like, why is that? Why digging deep, right? So five whys. We are humble, lifelong learners searching for level 10 success within each of our six pillars. We ask big questions and we're vulnerable when big questions are asked of us. No bullshit, no posturing, just a deep willingness to be better. We're grounded in our mission to be family men with businesses, not businessmen with families. We're hungry for wisdom that allow us to connect more deeply. We are conscious of our egos and choose to rise above them. Suspending judgment, we want to see things from a new perspective, aware of our blind spots, facing fears. We see failure as feedback. We choose growth. That's value one. Value two is about intentional execution. We call this lead domino. We take massive action. We believe in deliberate participation with full presence. We show up, step up, and speak up. Our calendars reflect our priorities, making time for what matters most decisive, focused. We are conscious and calculated. We make moves that are efficient and effective, creating with confidence, intentional routines and rhythms. We believe in building momentum through healthy habits. Aware of our core values, we, we apply our true strengths and stay in our zone of genius. We are men of our word. We honor our commitments. No excuses, no time to waste, all in engagement now. And the last one is called rising tide. This is about community, a communal drive. We, we wrote, we believe in the power of unified and aligned strengths, creative cooperation and collaboration, team effort. We honor our ethos of engagement to build true connections, respect, trust. We believe in diverse opinions and inclusive conversations, freely sharing our best resources, helping each other win. We are the source. We believe in community challenges that drive healthy competition, legacy, and 7G impact, which is seven generational impact. Band of brothers. Everyone gives more than they take. We prop each other up through unconditional generosity. And together, we go further, faster. Those are the core values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, some applause there. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love that. Thanks, buddy. 
That's great. Yeah. So man, so, so much to unpack there, but like, listen, if you need to re-listen to that, re-listen to that, where if people led that, re- listen to that and they had chills going down their spine and they want to find out more, just, we don't have to wait till the end. Where can people find out more about front row dads? Frontrowdads.com. In fact, Easy. this week, our values get posted to the website. So love that. We do get a, well, I mean, I guess this will be airing a lot later than that, but cool. I gotta, we gotta, we gotta preview, preview, listen to that. So I, I love that. That's right. So, man. So thank you so much for sharing that. I'm going to take a, a slight uh, kind of a pivot here. Social entrepreneurship. Uh, one of the things that you that that you had as an insight that was early on that I thought was really cool was that you know you 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 the way you articulated in the book, or at least the way I remembered it, is that like so many people feel like they need to go through these life stages where it's like I'm going to work really hard right now and I'm going to contribute later, and then you know you you kind of had this realization where you decided to not do that and you wanted to integrate it together. So I, for for somebody that wants to create a business that that has a lasting impact beyond just the, you know, monetary growth of the company, what would you say to somebody who feels like they kind of maybe are have to go through the stages before they can contribute? And, and how could we begin to create businesses with more soul? Yeah, I think that's great, man. There's some great books on this subject too. You know, uh, um, people over profit is one that comes to mind. Um, the purpose economy is another one that comes to mind, you know, uh, Firms of endearment is a third one that comes to mind. And these are all studies. You know, Firms of Endearment was kind of a, I would, I would call it a follow-up to the good to great book that's been so widely known by Jim Collins and like what makes a company great. And, and this firms of endearment studied companies that had a purpose. And what difference did that make to their, you know, to their not only to their profits, but that you know, you can do good and do well. There's nothing wrong with making money. Um, to me, there is something wrong with making money if it's if it's you know at the expense of others, you know, where it's not a value add. You're just finding ways to extract dollars and put them into your pocket with not a care in the world of how this lands on others. Oh, I think that if we're going to survive as a society, I think like literally if we're going to get our act together and clean up the environment, I mean what's happening in the oceans right now is that they're collapsing. Like it's not even not even a debate for me. Like the science is there, the populations are there, the the oceans are collapsing. The rate of extinction of animals on this planet is 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 there's always a rate of extinction, but this has been accelerated by, you know, um uh, an incredible speed at an incredible speed. You know, what we are doing as a society is not working and it doesn't take a mathematician to look at the rate of population growth. <laughs> And what's happening, right? Uh, to the how we're treating the earth. So what I think, and why I bring all that up, Brandon, is that a conscious business is one that understands that we, of course, want to be profitable. Absolutely, that's just energy, right? In many ways, that's just management of a resource. You know, that is paying attention, and it is delivering something to the world and adding value. Um, and I think that you don't have to start a charity to make a difference. Like you can have a business that does good and does well at the same time. I would argue that Front Row Dads is like that. Like we are helping men to win at home and we are making great money doing it. Like it is both a profitable and on purpose business. So we are in many ways giving into in the world. It doesn't have to be through a 501c3. Um but I think that the, the balance of this is simply an intention, right? It is simply an intention because I know lots of people that have nailed the financial piece, but they haven't nailed the fulfillment piece. And I have friends of mine, by the way, that are worth tens of millions of dollars 
who have come to me and said, I simply focused on the money piece and I got that figured out. But now I'm trying to figure out the fulfillment piece. And what I noticed that you did, John, is that you, you, you arguably filled out the, you figured out the fulfillment piece even before you figured out the financial piece. Even though if you put me against, you know, the average American, I have a very high income, comparatively speaking. I have friends with much higher incomes than I do, but I haven't been focused solely on making money over the years. That hasn't been my only and primary focus. And uh, at times I should have been more focused on that because I also think if you give in this way of like, I'm going to self-sacrifice to show everybody how much I care. In other words, like I'm going to intentionally suffer and like walk the line of like crashing my body because I'm working so hard round the clock to serve so many people. I don't think that's a good sustainable approach either. I think you need to both honor yourself and to take care of yourself and make sure that you and your family and your loved ones are taken care of. But then the question of like, well, how much do you really need is the question that kept hitting me. Like, I think it's great to drive a nice car, right? I think it's great to live in a big house, but what's enough? Like literally there has to be a number. There has to be an amount because if you're constantly chasing more, that is an exhaustive place to be. And my coach, Nathaniel Chalkin, who's a brilliant man, we had this amazing conversation a couple of weeks ago where we got into like looking to nature for wisdom. And we looked at it, we were looking at a tree and we're like, what is that tree doing? Right? Is that tree living to its potential? Is it taking more than it needs? Or does it take just the nutrients that it needs from the soil? Right? Is it, is it in harmony with nature? And I believe that if we're going to survive as a species, we need to figure out how much we need to take for ourselves and how much we need to give to others and share with others in order for this to balance. Because if we just take as much as we can, systematically, this will collapse. But if we figure out a way to fulfill our needs fully, take what we need to be healthy, and then properly work as a community to grow, that's the giving element. So that is my answer to that. Love that. This is beautiful. Yeah. And I, I will second the whole nature thing. There's so much you can learn from nature. And like, I feel like lots of times when we're not growing as fast as because we're not in alignment, like it kind of goes back to what we were saying in the very beginning, like what, you know, the nature of like what you've always done, <laughs> you know, it's like being in alignment with that is a lesson in and of itself is like, you don't see a bird trying to use what a bunny does to, to grow, you know, like they're <laughs> two completely separate things. And, and oftentimes it's just a matter of alignment. So thank you so much for sharing with that. And I'm definitely putting a lot more thought into, um, you know, the mission of seven figure millennials and how I can make sure that it's, that's more in alignment with, with impact driven even more so than it is already. So thank you for sharing that. A few other topics that, that I just, I have in my notes that I can't miss, and I'm trying to determine which one I want to go down first, but, uh, we'd love for you quickly. Awesome. We'll we'll love for you to kind of maybe quickly share Nikki C's front row moment story and uh, talk about the importance of being able to control the meaning of a situation, what it really means. Yeah. Nikki's a beautiful woman who we had the privilege of taking her and her husband to go see the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be her host for this event. Um, Living here in Austin, it was pretty close to my home. And and uh, yeah, we were, we got to spend some time in the, in the limousine together, kind of riding around. And 
Um, we were about to head into what I think, if I recall correctly, was dinner. I think we were heading in. And she had made a comment in the limo about how when she's in public places that sometimes people will look at her and they'll give her a look. And she described it as a look of kind of disgust because she was going through chemo and radiation and that she had lost her hair and she wasn't looking at her best. You know, it's, that takes a toll on the body, affects the skin, affects the the, you know, the way that you look and because yeah, your body is fighting for life. And, uh, and sometimes that's visual. And I immediately started to get, um, I felt a lot of empathy. I even started to feel anger to people. I'm like, how could people do that? Right? Like how rude, how ignorant of, you know, of these people. And then she said, and, uh, when, it, when people look at me that way, it makes me happy. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm biting. Like what, tell me more. And she said, John, if, if somebody looks at me with disgust, they have never personally battled cancer and they've never known anybody that they've loved to have battled cancer. Because if they did, they would have seen that. They would have had a frame of reference. And if they don't, I'm really happy for them that they've never had to go through that pain. So I find joy in knowing that they are, they have not had to walk that path yet. And I just thought that was such an elevated form of consciousness of being able to see, to, to see where, why somebody might be acting the way they're acting, right? And before we get too judgmental, it's like, why are they behaving that way? It's like kids, you know, they're acting like lunatics and you're like, are they hungry? Are they thirsty? Are they tired? <laughs> right? Like they're not a lunatic. They're acting like a lunatic because of something that happened to them or something that didn't happen to them that causes them to be in a view of life from that particular perspective. And she just refused to let herself get wrapped up in other people's view of the world. And she was like, I get to create my own. I get to, I get to create my own view of the world. And then I get to feel whatever I want to feel. I'm not a victim of anybody. No, right. Nobody's actions are going to make me feel a certain way. I'm going to choose that path. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah. And, and, and just kind of reading specifically what you have in the book, I think it's so cool is you're never fully in control of what happens to you, but you are absolutely 100% in control of what it means and therefore how it feels. And then you share about there being two components to a front row mindset, one fully accepting and embracing the parts of reality we can't change and two creating the future we want by taking bold actions today. So I want to make sure we got that because I just thought it was so, so powerful that at any given moment, we have the ability to control what a moment really means um, regardless if it's a, a bad or a good situation at the time. I know you had another question, but I want to mention this real quick that one of my best friends, Hal Elrod, who wrote the miracle morning, you know, he, he always said for years, two decades now, like can't change it. You know, he was hit by a drunk driver. One time he fought one of the most rare forms of cancer and survived, but this idea of can't change it, people would tattoo that on their body. Like just understanding that, Hey, some things are just going to happen to you, right? Like it's, that's it. And then you get to choose whether or not that thing happens for you. Right? The thing happens to you and then you choose whether or not it happened for you. Yeah, man. So good. And how, how story is absolutely incredible. If you, if you guys haven't checked out the miracle morning and that kind of stuff that, that how he's got the most insane. Movies story out ever. Now too. 
Oh, really? I haven't. I, I know yeah. when I, I talked to how briefly when I met him at Genius Network and he was still working on the documentary, but like I didn't know that it was out. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to go check that out. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, another thing when I was reading your book, this is funny that this happened is I was taking notes and I was like, man, this guy asked really good questions or he, he has really good questions throughout the book. And then I hit the part of the book where you talk about questions. I'm like, aha. <laughs> so so he, he's consciously consciously about this. So I would love to kind of talk, uh, use this topic as a little bit, because I think so many people look for answers and, and what I've seen from the world's brilliant yeah. minds is like the, the questions that you're asking yourself are absolutely critical. So I don't know where specifically you want to start by this. I have a few ways, but maybe if you wanted to start by sharing a few of your favorite questions and maybe about the importance of asking good questions in your life. Mm, very cool, man. Yeah. So I will say that at our retreat that we just had, I, sa- I said to the group, I said, Hey guys, you know, a lot of times we show up to events like this wanting answers. Um, but I want you to be committed to walking away with just better questions right? Because that's the gift that keeps on giving is a great question. Um, I'll give you an example of a great conversation. Um, I'm going to go back to this morning. I like to keep things like so recent. Yeah. So (laughs) present because sometimes it's just like, I just, then I'll end up telling the same stories I've told a thousand times, but it's nice also to challenge myself of how do I see all this happening in my day-to-day life? Well, sitting down with Ron this morning, he asked me this question. He said, who are three people you admire most in life and why? Like what carrot? what character trait do you love about them? And so I was like, Oh, I love my buddy, John Kane, you know, and, and I love that he's such a great listener. He's so present. He's so loving and kind, right? Like I just love being around him. He lifts people up. And then I said, my dad, and I, and I loved about my dad, like integrity and character and, you know, persistence and perseverance. And then, yeah, I said, my wife, and I talked about what I loved about her spirit. And he says, cool. He says, he says, now I know more about you because when I know who you love and why you would never sit here, John, and say like, I have a high degree of integrity and I'm afraid, you know, but he goes, when you tell me who you love and why you love them, you're basically telling me what you love about yourself because you find an alignment and a resonant resonance with them in that space. And he goes, he also asked me, who is the, who is the antithesis of that? Like, who's a person that you're like, just gets under your skin and why? And for me, it was somebody that was selfish and self-centered and manipulative, you know, that that's who I, he goes, and he goes, that's the thing that you are also running away from in your own life. Because when you've been those things, it hurts the most. Like when you've been selfish, when you've been self-centered, when you've been manipulative with people, that tells me also something about what you're, what you, what you don't want to be in your life. And because when you see it in others and it bothers you, it's because it lives within you, you know, to some degree and, uh, and that bothers you. So I thought those were brilliant questions. You know, anything that gets to the heart of a human, right. Uh, I think is great. So there's a lot of ways to get there. And we had a lot of questions at this retreat, which we structure for the men. I'll tell you one more. So our band are four guys that we call it a band. We meet once a month for two hours. Hal Elrod, Tim Nikolai, and Justin Donald. By the way, Justin's a great guy. He just came out with a book, The Lifestyle Investor. You might want to talk with him too. Tim was leading our band meeting and he goes, all right, question for the table. Everybody answer. If you really knew me, what would you have to know? And then we all answered it. And then he said, all right, second question for the table. (laughs) If you really really knew me, (laughs) you would have to know. And by the way, it went 
deep fast, man. Like it went deep fast. That question's really interesting. If you really, really knew me, what would you have to know about me as a person to really know me deeply? And so I think that things that get to our core are powerful, you know, and I, I listed a bunch of questions in the book, but yeah. Yeah. I love that. How can you just cut through those, those layers just cut through so many layers of crap. <laughs> like, it's just like, it saves so I much hate, time to know, to know uh, that it's incredible. <laughs> I don't like the topical conversations. Like I, I cringe when I know we're heading down that path and, you know, I think it's good to just skip past it. Like I, one of my favorite questions I wrote about this in the book was what's a question that you wish people would ask you more often, but they don't, you know, like what's the thing you want to talk about, but you don't get a chance to talk about enough. Like that's one of my favorite questions. It opens up usually like what this person really wants to talk about. And you could spend an hour trying to figure out what it is, or you could just ask. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just, I'm just going to ditch the rest of what I wanted to ask. So what, what does, if somebody really, really, really knew you, what would they need to know? John? <laughs> you fed it to me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so interesting. Cause I also have been challenging myself lately. And I think this is a great way to try to answer questions, try to answer them differently. You know, even if they're just slightly refined, but try to find new layers of yourself by answering that question differently. You know, if people really, really knew me, what they would know, Brandon, is I'm like this 45-year-old man-child who just desperately wants to be loved, you know, who craves attention and affection. And as much as I think I'm this, you know, I continue to try to be an evolved being on this planet. Like I just went to a party with my wife the other night and, and I was there and she's very social creature. You know, she's like a butterfly and I'm like walking around with a net trying to capture her, you know, and (laughs) I just love that about her. She's so beautiful. It's like, so it just brings me so much love and light in my life. But I was starting to feel like she was giving everybody else attention other than me. Right. Um, And uh, I think what I recognize about myself is I'm just like this boy who wants to be loved. Like I want her to hold my hand. I want her to like touch my shoulder. I want her to like, tell me I'm awesome. And a lot of that just comes from this deep awareness in my life. And I think if people really knew me, they would know that that's true. And I constantly am at, am at um, I don't want to say at war because that's not what it is. It's, it's I'm, I'm constantly aware of how that drives me in my life. And the more that I just say what's true and who I am, and the more that I don't try to bury it and hide it and pretend like I don't care what people think, you know, um, the more peace I find. And so I think that's what somebody would find out if they really, really got to know me. Like I do love people. I am a giver, like at my heart and I am a needy little boy (laughs) deep down in my soul. That's it. Yeah. Well, just to honor, honor that I, I was, I had it in my notes to kind of say this, but I just like in reading your book and listening to the interviews you've done, like like I absolutely do. And I, I feel like I, I can speak for everybody that's listening to this right now. I absolutely feel loved by you. You have this like aura. It's just like you, you are, you are clearly somebody who practices what you preach because I don't know if it's just your calm tone of voice. That's really fun to listen to, <laughs> or it's the content that you create, but you know, you can tell that, you know, you, you, you say, you know, you, you see the world in two groups, the people that you know and love the people that you love, but you have yet to know. And I just think that I, I just wanted to say to you again, I know I, I'm just maybe just showering you with compliments today, but I, 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 I definitely get that vibe from you. And so I'm, I'm grateful. It's always great to meet people that practice what they preach and what they do. So thank you. Uh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And, and I mean this when I say this and I don't 
you go back and listen to any of the last hundred interviews I've done, I don't say this at the end of every interview, but I'm going to tell you now, man, I really think you're, this was one of the most well-prepared, um, thoughtful interviews that I've, I've had in, in a while. And I really want to tip my hat to you for being our number one value, right? This like authentic, have this authentic curiosity about yourself. Um, and also your intentional execution of like, you read the book, you, you thought about this, you took action and um, you show up with those values. So thank you, Brandon. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I really, that means a lot. So in, in, I, I have one, do we have time for like two kind of quick ones or should we, should I just stick with yeah. one? Oh, okay. Good. Okay. Go one, ahead, one kind of a, one kind of a quick one is, um, would love for to give somebody some homework because like they've heard about this front row stuff and like sure. the the impact that you made on people. So if somebody could like go home today and say, okay, I want to start living life more in the front row, you know, what's kind of the gateway drug activity where it's like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to keep doing more sure. of it. What's a good gateway drug activity for the front row? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Um, my answer is dreams. You know, start with your dreams. Start with if you haven't sat down and made a dreams list lately, do it. You know, um, write a dreams list. If you did it six months ago, try it again and try to gain clarity on like, what are these dreams really, are you just trying to make a list or like get connected deeply to like these dreams and why are they so important? Like what, what difference does this make for you and, and the people you love and the rest of the world? And then also understand the dreams of others. Have a couple dreams conversations this week, really sit down with people and say, let's talk about what, what dreams make you come alive. What do you want to do? What do you want to experience? What do you want to see? How do you want to feel? Like know what is pulling at people's hearts and then go be a moment maker for them. You know, everybody can be a wish granter, Brandon, and everybody can fight for people's best day ever, right? And, and be working on that with people. Be intensely curious with the people around you and with yourself about what makes you come alive. There's an old Howard, I think it's Howard Thurman who said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do that because what the world needs are people who've come alive. Mm. So powerful. Love that. Uh, one more kind of quick question then. And I've been asking this just so I can see the commonalities between all the guests, but I, I think you're a great person to ask this question too. And that is, what does happiness mean to you as somebody that is that has studied people that that are fighting for their lives and as somebody that is creating these moments for people? What is what is your synthesis of what happy, happiness mm. means to you? Man, you know, this definition has changed over time, but what feels so congruent in my heart right now is to answer by saying that happiness is living in alignment with your values. You know, happiness is living in alignment with your values, period. Mic drop, won't add anything else to that. So where where can people find out more? I would highly, I mean, I've read The Front Row Factor. If you're watching the video, I'm holding the book up, but go check it out. Fantastic book. I think you know, I've read Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now, and we always talk about the, the idea of being present and in the moment. But I, I think like what I would say about the front row factor is if you've ever been curious about how you can actually apply that, how you can be more present and like what you can do to create other moments for other people. And that's one thing that I've picked up from many other interviews is that like in being in service of others is really how you serve yourself at the same time. And so creating these moments for other people, I think is not only a great exercise for you to remain more present, but it also helps people at the same time. So if you're looking for a really practical application of how to live life in the front row and the incredible work that John's done and the, the experiences they've given people highly recommend, go check that out. But besides that, where can other people find out about the other stuff? with front row dads i think you already mentioned sure. but yeah if you're if you're a dad out there and you're a driven entrepreneur or you know a dad out there who's a driven entrepreneur and businessman but wants to put their family 
first and truly live that and not just talk about it, then send them to, to front row dads, uh, front dads.com or the podcast, the front row dads podcast. Love that. Yeah. Go hop over. And I'll just say in conclusion, if you are brand new and this is the very, very first episode you ever listened to, and you decided to come today, you could be spending anywhere else, but you're hanging out with me and John today. I just wanted to say, thank you so much. It's an honor to have you hanging out with us. And you know, I'm glad that you listened to this conversation first. I bring out incredible people like John all the time. And as you can tell, we like to go deep here. This isn't surface level stuff. And if you're returning, I also want to thank you as well, because you are absolutely what makes this possible. I truly appreciate you. And if you're new or returning, like I said, you made a choice. You could be listening to any other podcast right now and you chose to listen to this one. So I'm really grateful for that. And if you could do me a huge favor, I've been deeply impacted by John's uh, work. You, you heard me this story about my birthday being made in 2018 because of it. So if you listen to something today and you want to make someone's day and you have a friend that could you know be more present in life, just share this episode with them. My life has absolutely been changed by podcasts that have been shared with me. So I would highly encourage you to do that. And whether you choose to do that or not, really appreciate you for listening. And John, thank you so much for coming on. This has been an incredible interview, my friend. Thanks, Brandon. Hey, it's Brandon here again, and I have a quick favor to ask before you head off, and that is if you are listening to my voice right now and you are currently using either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would help me a ton if you could stop what you're doing, take five seconds to tap the number of stars that you think the show deserves. So if you're on Spotify, there's a place to add a star rating right underneath the name of the show. And if you're listening on Apple, just scroll down where you're seeing all the episodes and there's something that says tap to rate. Just tap the number of the stars that you think the show deserves. And you may not know this, but I typically spend over five hours of my own time each week just researching a guest on the show. And then there's the time that's spent recording the show, the intro, reaching out to new guests, and of course, all the editing, publishing, promoting that my amazing wife and high school sweetheart, Leah, helps me to manage. So all that to say, there's a lot that goes on just to get to the point where you listen to this episode. So if you appreciate the content and have 10, five to 10 seconds to spare, it would help a ton if you could leave a quick rating on the show. Extra credit if you choose to leave a review, but just tapping whatever stars you feel the show deserves helps a ton and it takes so little time. So whether you choose to do that or not, I so appreciate you and I'll talk with you soon.